All right, everybody, welcome to the Premier Podcast. Today, I have Dan Freeberg and Tony Licht talking about hybrid selection. And I was just telling these guys that before we started recording, my husband just literally asked me if we can go into the Premier Crop System and look at comparisons of hybrids because he is wanting to select his uh, hybrid selection, his corn for 2021. So, Dan and Tony, why don't you just tell us why hybrid selection is so important? Yeah, and it's really, Renee, it's really hybrid and variety. So it's, you know, hybrids on corn and varieties on soybeans or wheat. Or So uh, I always think from a grower's perspective that the, the first the first analysis that you do is your own. It's just what your own results were from that crop year. You know, so what, what worked and what didn't. So just understanding analytics analytics um, by hybrid or variety across their operation. The, the reason that it's really powerful, it's really great at a grower level is that there's sometimes, sometimes the hybrid or variety in data shows up having done really poorly, but you know, at a grower level, but sometimes, but the grower knows where it was planted. You know, they, they have the benefit of knowing that the reason that number did badly was, or it looks bad is not because it, you know, it, it was just, I, I planted it on my three worst fields, you know, so it, it may have been that they picked a number intentionally that had more defensive characteristics because those are really difficult fields. So, so I think just looking at your, how, how numbers did uh, on your own operation is maybe a starting place. And then maybe to build off of that, Dan, you know, from there, once I do the analysis on my own operation, then I want to think about, well, how, how did it, how did it do for others around me in a, in a like environment? You know, some, some were pretty close to me because if it happened to do poorly for me, but I find out it did well for others, well, where, where did it do well for others? How can I correct that? Amen. So just every, you know, every grower in the system has the option of, of, whether they want to be part of seeing anonymously beyond their own operation. And, you know, to date, they all want that. They, you know, part of, part of the value of what they get in the program is being able to see beyond their own operation. So and a lot of times hybrid and variety is just the very first thing they look for is, you know, they, they want to see, they want to see beyond what their own experience was. And depending on how, the number of hybrids or varieties they're planting, sometimes, sometimes one, if it's planted on a small amount of acres, they completely forget about it. I mean, you, you think about the larger, the larger acred hybrids, and it's like, oh, I forgot about those new ones I planted. How did they shake up against the rest of my life? Yeah, and you guys talk, I mean, you're talking about expanding beyond the operation and, in a sense, benchmarking against other areas or like areas. Can you explain or elaborate a little bit more about how Premier Crop utilizes the hybrid and variety selection with data? Like what, you know, what does that potentially look like or what is the conversation with the grower? It's just, it's kind of, Renee, it's kind of unlimited sorts. So you can, you can, um, you know, initially a lot of people might focus on soil types. If they have dominant soil types, they might, it, it might be just hybrid and variety performance on different soil types. In some markets, in some markets, um, for example, pH can be a huge driver on soybeans. You know, high pH areas or low pH areas can have a huge swing on, and, and, and varieties respond differently in those environments. So 
those would be two examples of how people get started. But they probably don't, you know, stop there. They look at things like planting date or harvest date. You know, so if you're a large operation and, you know, you, you, what inevitably happens is you end up with some fields that you know are going to be harvested last. You know, it's just, and so, and so for those numbers, Renee, they might drill down on late harvest data, you know, so they're, they're trying to pick numbers that they know will stand and hold the ear, you know, late into harvest because, you know, it's some, some field has got to be harvested last and a lot of growers literally plan, you know, they plan their harvest by the way they plan their planting. There's certain fields that are always going to get planted first and, in the, in the case of harvest, it's there's certain fields that are going to be taken out first. And it might be the ones that are closest to the bin site. You know, so they just, they want to get the bins, you know, they want to get the dryer going. And so the, there's certain fields that will come out early. And a, lot, a lot of times those fields that come out early will probably get, you know, they might get more of a racehorse number that, that you know, doesn't have to stand. It's just, you know, it's the highest yield potential because they know they're going to, they're going to get it before, you get very far into harvest. As applied fertility could also be another environment they may want to look at as well. You know, how did, how did I treat this group of corn hybrids, you know, differently on as applied nitrogen, maybe, maybe split, split treatment or in season treatment versus um, just all in the fall kind of a concept, you know, is there differences amongst the hybrids and varieties and how, how they reacted to the environment they were in, whether it be as applied fertility or soil excuse me, soil test fertility. You know, what, what we do is, is it's just, it's just adding another source of analysis to what a grower considers, you know, grower, growers, a lot, a lot of times, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, maybe their decision is kind of, if something did exceptional for them, they're probably going to plant it again, obviously. Um, And then, and then they'll look beyond, they'll look beyond their own operation, you know, the, to see, make sure it wasn't a fluke or, uh, you know, see how it held up in other environments. Um, one, one of the advantages we have is that um, we, can, we can tend to see the hybrid and variety performance in different growing environments in the same year, you know, meaning, you know, meaning that, we, you know, you might have been in a really dry area, but we can, you know, you can go look and see how it did in a normal area. Or, or, you know, you happen to be unfortunate and you got hit by the, you know, the wind. And so you, sometimes you want to jump out of your area because, you know, your own data isn't as meaningful just because you had something that, you know, that happened that didn't make your data quite as useful. I was just going to say that's a great point. You know, case in point, the wide area this year that uh, got hit by the derecho, um, those folks don't lose data for a year. They still have the ability to build on data, albeit just from maybe, you know, a little bit further than their real local geography. It might be from 20 miles away in an area where that was not hit that could still be considered a like agronomic environment. There's, there's really big dollar swings. You know, we, we just, you know, because we're measuring the economics and the agronomics, it's the reason, the reason people focus on it a lot is, there's, at the end of the year, there's just really big dollar swings on a per acre basis. So um, it could easily be a hundred dollar per acre uh, swing in return to land and management, or what we call yield efficiency. So you can you can just see really large swings. Um, and and when you start analyzing that way, 
um, it, it probably, you know, from my perspective, it probably leads maybe to um, having a strategy where you, where you maybe call more aggressively. I, I grew up on a livestock farm and, and the term call, you know, calling, calling the herd was, you know, it's about, it's basically, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of in the livestock industry. It's, you know, you're just constantly uh, eliminating the low producers, you know, like when you're, when you're making genetic selection, you're, you're, you're eliminating the bottom 20% or whatever. So in the, in the case of hybrid variety selection, I think sometimes we need to be more aggressive about calling some of the poor performers out uh, if we're really focused on trying to drive the highest returns. You both were talking about data. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the data features that Premier Crop measures hybrid variety with? Everybody always thinks of, you know, just, just yield by hybrid and variety, but there's a lot of other attributes that come along, come along with that hybrid, you know, relative maturity. Um, the, the chemical resistance or the, the seed um, seed disease resistance um, as far as rootworm traits, non-rootworm traits, you know, all those things come along with it. So, so it, the conversation goes beyond not just yield by hybrid, but maybe there was a specific trait that was really helped drive yield or a certain plant date um, helped drive yield. You know, what are the trends I can see across my farm from a given year and then also across the series of years as well. Yeah, Tony, you guys have lived through some of the, you've, you've definitely in the, over the years, you've lived some through some of the um, trade issues, you know, just, you know, where we had areas where the rootworm trait wasn't holding up and, you know, it, you know, we ended up going through several years where, you know, um, needing a rootworm insecticide, you know, was a big part of the strategy. And a, and a big return for growers. Absolutely. You know, and, and as a grower, do I need to do a double approach here, not just the trait, but seed applied insecticide and where, and what can I expect from those people that have been utilizing that? What's the success rate been for them to, to determine immediately like, okay, well, here's kind of a return on investment I can expect to get back out of this. The trait thing probably also, um, comes up as people shift in um, herbicides strategies, you know. So it's just it, you know. So Renee, people people would use the data to um, to try to quantify differences in herbicide, you know, in different herb, you know, if they're considering liberty or if they're you know needing to rotate strategies from a um, any kind of a pest management or weed management strategy. That that's a, another piece where they they drill down in data a lot just to try to find the best performing genetics um, as they're switching as they're switching strategies. So, what would you say is the benefit to having all of this data to a grower who is utilizing Premier Crop Systems versus somebody who isn't? It in the in even the growers we work with, Renee, they we are we are one part of how they make decisions um, in the seed world because they, a lot of times they have some, they have seed sellers who they really trust. You know, they, they have long-time relationships in local communities with uh, seed advisors. So, so a lot of times the seed advisor is there too. And, and, and most growers will want to plant, uh, you know, a, a 20% of their acreage to something that's new, you know, cause every year there's new, new genetics coming out. So we don't, 
in, unless it's been planted commercially, we don't have any data on the new the new numbers. So so part of part of that's you know a lot of times that's what happens is their local seed advisor or seed seller is positioning the new you know what they know about the new uh, genetics from plots and what they've seen in small quantities as it got planted in the pre-commercial years. So, yeah. so a team, a team can definitely help, uh, um, help that grower out. So we've always said that agronomy is local. So that local knowledge with that seed advisor um, combined with a lot of data points from, from a, a given area can just help amplify the, the value proposition for the grower of getting the right seed on the right acres. Yeah, and since we have a lot of data in our system, we clearly have seen, maybe we not, maybe we haven't clearly, um, over the years with all the data in our system, have you seen trends and, and, and what are they? There's definitely been trends in certain geographies of, uh, you know, stronger yield correlation by later maturing hybrid. But within that, within that, there's always gotchas where there's, you know, a few different, a few early season hybrids that perform in a, um, within those environments very, very well whether it be later maturing hybrids going further north or earlier maturing hybrids going south. So definitely looking at the, uh, not just a multi-year, but looking within across those different years individually, trying to pull out those trends of what hybrids can be moved around either north to south to accommodate um, diversifying that grower's portfolio. In the early years, you know, you could literally um, you could see in the data sometimes when companies had trouble with trait insertion, you know, I mean, where the, you know, the non-traded versus the traded, you could actually see a, you know, a yield decrease. So they, you know, they just, it was just, but I mean, companies are getting way better at that. So they're, um, I don't think it's as big an issue as it might've been in the early years. When, when new traits come to the market, growers will definitely want to ask the question, um, how do the new traits compare to my existing operation or how much more do they bring to the table for me? <laughs> and growers drill down on that really quick because what tends to happen is new traits come at a price. Right. You know, so the, usually the usually the company is wanting a premium for them. So they're, they're really neat. You know, they're trying to weigh, they're trying to weigh that. Um, is it, is that extra seed investment worth it? Am I actually getting a higher return? Can you talk a little bit about yield efficiency? And Dan, you did elaborate on it a little bit, but and how you know developing and making a selection for your hybrid or variety of and how that can attribute to your yield efficiency score. Yeah, so yield efficiency is just the you know the dollar per acre return to land and management, meaning after you've paid for the seed and nutrients and crop protection and field operations, what's left? And from a seed perspective, Renee, it comes down to you know, what was the price point? You know, what, how much did I have to pay for the seed? And then probably the next piece is how could I manage the seed? You know, so, so there's some, some numbers that just um, have a lot of flex and meaning they'll flex ear size as based on population. So in a highly variable field, you might, that might be a great strategy. It's just a, something that will really change, you know, it, it, you can plant. So, so in other words, you can plant at a, a, a lower population. Um, and, and, and if it's a good year, you'll still, you won't take a yield hit. So, you know, versus a fixed year number, you, 
you know, they're really responsive to population. So, um, you know, it's just even a bigger factor. So, so some, some numbers just require more, you know, in order to produce at the top end, you just need, in general, you need more, you know, you need more uh, plants, you know, but, but some, some numbers seem to be able to flex more than others. And as so that have, so that goes into yield efficiency, <laughs> you know, because if you can if you can plant if you can plant a number at a lower rate and still achieve the same yield, you know, you could potentially add ten or fifteen dollars an acre return. And to build off of just uh, reallocating a rate around the field, you know, we as planters become more sophisticated, we can reallocate which hybrids go on which part of the field. You know, assigning assigning hybrids to zones or soil types. Um, and at different rates as well. So we've got we've got different cost point of the hybrid and then different rate to maximize the ROI. Yeah, Tony, do you think so? So we got you know we got a lot of growers in the system that are doing multi-hybrid or multi-variety planting. Do you think that'll continue to grow, or where do you see the trend on it? We're continue to be in a discovery phase with that of of uh, trying to figure out best placement of hybrids, the different rates of hybrids. So like those treatment blocks behind you in your background, Dan, you know, ELBs, accelerating the learning, accelerating the learning of, of rate and also placement of hybrids helps us versus single rate testing year over year. We definitely continue to try and find the bottom of this soybean population. Um, the, the issue with that is, is all of a sudden, you know, it, it becomes an unemotional decision at, at times looking at data points in January, February, March, but all of a sudden, sometimes it becomes a little bit of an emotional decision in season. You know, if, if, I, if I feel confident in the data in January that, you know, I can drill down a seeding rate population to 120 or 110 or 100,000, and all of a sudden I might get cold feet in April, you know, if it happens to be a, a really great spring and we can get out and plan early, and do everything we want to do early, all of a sudden I, it may be an uncomfortable situation of, boy, I, I don't know if I have enough, I don't know if I have enough information on planning this lower rate this early. Maybe I, maybe for safekeeping, I should just turn the population back up just a little bit, you know, kind of a thing. So, so it's trying to balance the emotional decision versus the data decision back in the couple previous months to really drive and find the bottom of where we can go in populations, just the same way in corn, you know, in soybeans and corn, um, as far as wheat, how much we want to sow. I, I think, I think the, everybody kind of knows where the optimal rates are, but where are the, where are the extreme rates, the highs and the lows that really maximize that yield efficiency? Yeah. I, I, you know, just, I get copied in on a lot of the trial results and I, you know, I've seen some 80,000, uh, seed drops on soybeans that just did exceptional. I mean, they, they were learning blocks or, or, you know, replicated trials. And it was just, it, it really gets your attention because, you know, you start, you start trimming, you know, 50,000 seeds um, and you get a higher yield. It's, it really drives, drives the dollars really fast. You know, seed treatments in soybeans have really, really helped us drill down, I think, our populations as well, you know, better protecting that seed to ensure that every one of them matters more to get up and out of the ground in a timely fashion. Yeah, ultimately driving up that yield efficiency score, helping growers profit more. 
Well, great. Thank you guys for joining us today. So great to see you. So great to have you. And we'll be back again. Thanks for listening to the Premier Podcast where everything agronomic is economic. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can continue to provide the best precision ag and analytic results for you. If you want to learn more about Insight CDM, check out our show notes. And to learn more about Premier Crop, visit our blog at premiercrop.com.